This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This is the besotted Pride of West London podcast. And you could tell I'm a little bit relaxed because I've had a week off. There's been no podcast last week because we decided that we needed to take a little bit of a break, an international break, just like the players do, because we've got so many international players before we join them on international breaks. So my name is Billy Grant and I feeling quite chilled. Sitting here, my man Laney in the international virtual joint. Laney, how are you? I'm all right. I've got a bit of a cold, actually. Like a pre-Bournemouth sniffles, that's what I've got. Um, but yeah, you know, apart from that, I'm all right. As you said, yeah, no podcast last week. Um, we went to Wembley uh, on Monday, which we're talking were, were about. Were your knees going all trembly? No, they weren't. No, it was, it was, it was, we'll talk about the game. It was a good, good second half. It was just a bit of, a, bit of an awful first one. Um, no. But yeah, no, but I'm looking forward to Premier League coming back. Looking forward to getting down to Bournemouth. Um, looking back to getting some points, hopefully. Fingers crossed. I, I'm just asking Elaine, have you got the sniffles? Because basically, I mean, obviously it's a bit of a change in the temperature and you, uh, have you, you've not been putting your heating on? Have you been sort of sitting in your, in your blanket, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying, and just drinking lots of cups of tea and uh, because you can't afford to heat your house, isn't it? You pretty, pretty much knocked it on the head there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, you, you've got a spy can in my, in my place. Yeah, I'm, hit, I'm sat here sort of cupping a hot cup of tea just like, kind of like me warm. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> i think i've been i've been sucked into this kind of uh, panic overheating so uh, yeah i think we're all we're all no you know oven bands and stuff like that going on <laughs> that's right and i've actually i actually went to go out and buy some tea today but i had to go out and buy a a a, a quarter less tea than i would have done last week because uh, all of a sudden the price have just gone up miraculously <laughs> in, in the space of about three or four days there's been all sorts of nonsense i've got no idea what's been going on but everything seems oh. to be going up and things have been I've, crashing and everything like that around us it's it's been a mad international week hasn't it i've taken my eye off the price of tea to be honest with you Bill. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to keep my eye on the price of tea because this is the only thing that keeps me going. <laughs> yeah. Oh God! Well, I bought a bulk, a bulk bought. Yeah, so I've got. I think I've got about eighty or eighty or ninety tea bags left before I'm exposed to the the volatile market <laughs> of the tea, the tea commodities. <laughs> I have to admit, I did go to Sainsbury's earlier and I saw people fighting over big tubs and big, big sort of kind of like sort of kind of 200 sort of tea bags, like in some of the Tetleys and tea bags and everything like that. You know what I'm saying? Tea pigs. I mean, there's, there's a bit, and even like the older Lapsang Shushongs being like, you know, being sort of kind of raided as well. Like, you know, sure. so we've got to be very careful what's happening. The economy is in a bit of a state at the moment now because tea is just, oh, it's just in, it's just in short supply and it's just ridiculously expensive. <laughs> Oh man, uh, the dogs. That's uh, that's right, and it's funny because we're talking about that, and we're you know we're talking about the price of tea because we'll talk about this a little bit later. But um, see, I'm going to Qatar in a few months. I had a had a meeting uh, talking about Qatar, and they were talking about the price of beer as well. And I suppose um, if you talk about the price of beer in Qatar, then to be honest with you, I don't think we should be moaning about the price of tea in the UK because at thirteen pounds a pint, I no. think I could I could take a a bit of a bit of a rise in the price really? of tea in the UK. Thirteen yeah. quid. Yeah, we can, but we'll talk about that a little bit later. So like you said to you, this is um, Billy G and uh, Laney Man in the house. And we're going to be talking about, well, I'll tell you something. We're going to be looking back in this podcast to the last game because I sat here and I was thinking, I actually can't remember who we played last because it's been, it seems like it's been so long and so much has happened in between the times. So we'll be looking back to the Arsenal game uh, a few weeks ago. We'll also be looking at the international week, what happened with, uh, oh, well, England. England played a couple of games and we had a international call-up, which we were very excited about just before the Arsenal game. So we'll be talking about that as well. And then we'll be looking forward to the Muff game, the Bournemouth game as well. We're going down to Bournemouth for the first time in a, in a few years. The last time we played Bournemouth, we were very happy. Lots of very nice 
things happened and we're hoping the same things happen this weekend as well so and we've got Kirk um, from the what's it the Cherries Cherries podcast as well as well you know what I'm saying so he's talking Cherries podcast so Kirk's coming on to talk to us about the muff as well and we've got JB as well later giving us some facts and some funk so listen tell you something we're not gonna we're gonna cut this down a little bit now I'm gonna go away I'm gonna get some more tea before uh, before it disappears and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk about Ivan Tony and England so international week and as you know bees fans international week is a very different week for us I mean we're going to be focusing on England um, but I mean there's a long list and and, and if we start to read through the players Fred for that playing internationally I think you know, I think the podcast will be about three hours long you know we had a very very long list of players playing internationally including Brian playing for Cameroon you know and all sorts of stuff going on but the main focus was you know Brentford's first international call-up since um since before the war basically which is the second war that is not the first world war which was uh, quite a long time ago as well so um, Ivan Tony got called up and a lot of excitement uh, I mean, and I mean, myself and yourself are talking mainly because I was actually meant to go to Italy for the England game but for various reasons uh, mainly revolving around kids grassroots football the team that I've just set up I wasn't able to go to Italy but you were thinking about going to Italy you couldn't at the last minute as it goes uh, Ivan Tony didn't get called up for that game he wasn't even chosen in the squad but he was chosen for the Germany game which I did have a ticket for uh, I had a bit she had a meeting at, at the FA with one of the top pods there on uh, Monday which is very coincidental and then afterwards we went to the game we met up before the match, uh, it was a nice little meet-up. It was good, good little vibe at the the White Horse right beside the ground. I know that we've got a few of the Fullers Massive who listen to this podcast and they'll be very happy that we went to the White Horse before the game. So, yeah, we had a really good drink inside there before the match. And then um, we saw the game, um, hoping to see Ivan Tony appear. And it didn't quite happen, did it, Laney? No, it didn't. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, you've got your Brentford rose tinted glasses on, and you, you know, that's that's the reason I'd gone. I was, you know, thought I'd, I was there to witness a little bit of Brentford history, um, in, first in my lifetime, uh, and you know, being called up to England. You know, we were all rooting for Ivan because we know what he's capable of doing, um, and we know that England would benefit from from what he's got to offer. Uh, and you know the way the game panned out in the end probably didn't do him any favours. You know when we were losing, we went you know couple down. Um, I thought he would, would get a you know a bit of bit of time in the second half or set you know a couple of a little bit of time after the second goal went in and you know bring him on and and, and see if we could get back into it. But you know we we scored two quick goals um, and, and brought the game level, then went ahead and it, it just seemed that there was. You know the the ship had sailed. Really, there was there was there was no real opportunity for him, and to bring him on in the last, you know, in injury time or something like that, just would have been a bit of an anticlimax. I mean, I'm sure he would have been made up to get his cap still, but it's it, it just seemed like, yeah, just a massive wasted opportunity because you know England had been relegated from from that from that tournament that group. Um, uh, the game, although it was the last game before Qatar, uh, it, 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 there wasn't actually any more than that to play for. I mean, we weren't. I assume we're not going to. That wasn't our starting eleven. It wasn't right. It wasn't a dress rehearsal for our first game in the World Cup or anything like that. Southgate didn't find out any more about any of his players than he already knew. Um, so I, I just really don't know what those the Italy and the Germany game achieved for England they, they you know it, it was great for Ivan to be uh, brought into the fold as it were and to spend time in and around that caliber of player um, that would have been good for his confidence that would you know that is a sign of intent perhaps that he stands a chance of going to the World Cup um, we'll all you know we can argue and, and surmise about that until the cows come home you know I'd I, I put him on the plane for sure um, but you know, it, I, I just you know to, to re, you know just re, re say what I've already said. You know, it was a wasted opportunity to to show the 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 Ivan Tony full repertoire. And you know, I, I think um, you know we 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 go to the World Cup unsure of, of him, and I think I think he deserves a little bit more than that. I've got a question. Do you think that Ivan Tony was a victim both of England's failure 
and then their success. And when I say, fa- I mean, I'm talking about over the weekend, okay? Because England's failure, as in the fact that they went to Italy and then they lost and they lost quite badly. I mean, I was actually out watching man, man called Mabin with my son and my missus on the Friday night. So I actually didn't even see the England match on the Friday, but I heard it wasn't particularly great. I saw the, the comments coming back from you guys watching it you know, on the WhatsApp when I was there and I thought, oh, I'm not even going to watch a replay on that one, but it wasn't particularly great. So obviously they've gone into the Germany game um, on a real negative and they've been relegated from the group. And was it a scenario that Southgate was listening to? He was thinking, not be funny, I was going to play him against the, in the next game regardless and uh, we'll see how it goes. But he thought that he can't go out on a big negative going into the World Cup with his last game with the, the press and everything like that and, and, and him having to talk to his team, trying to pick them up going to the World Cup. And he just thought, tell you what, I just need to go in there and we need to do what we are doing against Germany. And then obviously in the German game, we went 2-0 down. And it looked down and out. I mean, I mean, we were there, and we'll talk about it. So, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about the game and the match day experience as such. But you know, we saw people literally going out of the stadium in their droves after we went two 0 down. They literally just left the stadium. It was a proper fire drill. I mean, again, listen, people can do what they have to do. I think that's fair enough. Um, but I think it was a bit embarrassing because as a football fan, you think oh, there's still quite a lot of this game to go. And you're leaving and and it's not like the West Ham excuse where West Ham will say, we have to leave early because we live so far away. If we don't leave early, then we're going to get caught mm. up and this that. I'm like, no, because if we were winning 3-0, you'd still be there to the very end. And it was still only like about, what, well, half eight, just 20 to nine or quarter to nine or something like that. So it wasn't very, very late. But listen, each to their own and we're not having to go. If people want to leave, they want to leave. But they left the fire drill. Of course, England have now come back and they're looking really hot. But the fact is that I say their success if England continued to be 2-0 down, right, do you think that Ivan Tony actually would have got a look in because they had nothing to lose? But as soon as they came back, he thought, tell you what, you know, this is my chance of glory here, Southgate, and we'll go in with a bit of a story going into the World Cup and some positivity. Yeah, probably. Um, it, 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 that that's, does stack up, but it's just hard to, it's hard to guess what, what Southgate thinks sometimes. I don't, I don't really know, um, is, is, you know is, is the other answer to that. You'd hope so. Um, you know, with an England fan's head on as well, you just want you want us to be as best equipped to go as long into the, the tournament, um, you know, the World Cup tournament as as possible. Harry Kane can get injured. Um, I know he's got a, you know a pretty good record. Um, you know, and it is his records. I am concerned that he's so close to the appearance records, the goal scoring records. The you know he, he's he's an exceptional uh, performer. But it's almost like at the expense of anyone else coming in behind him because, you know, he, I'm sure he wants to play every second of every game and, and, and stand the best chance of getting towards those those goal-scoring records for the country. Um, you know, I, I can't blame him, but, you know, if you can't, if you can't see um, or can't give opportunities to kind of, you know, the backup, uh, your backup uh, players... Um, in games that just are meaningless, you know, the Germany game was a meaningless rubber. Bring Harry Kane, swap it round, bring Harry Kane on for the second half, give Ivan Tony a half. Um, you find out something then, you know. Um, I, I know that, you know, there's been other players, um, Patrick Bamford, for example, that, you know, was given his chance last season or the season before, perhaps it was. Um, and, he, you know, he, he failed on, he failed to take advantage of that. And that's probably, that's probably scuppered, scuppered him. At least Ivan hasn't, hasn't sort of uh, fallen to that fate. But I think he's a better player. Um, so, you know, we, we, we'll, we'll see. You know, it's just hard to guess what, what Southgate thinks sometimes. Yeah. And, and, to, and to be fair, and again, I'm going to put my devil's advocate head on. I mean, Harry Kane did play very well and you know yeah. and, he, and he was good in that game as well and, and again maybe Ivan Tony sort of suffered from the fact that you know the guy who yes we do know everything about him but he's also quite good you know so it's, it's it's quite a number of difficult situations but I think the thing that I the question mark that I had is I was thinking because I know sort of kind of how they operate and how they think and I think that they they'd heard so much about Ivan for a long time they wanted to have a look at him have a look at him closely and maybe if they had a look at him, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Maybe they looked at him and they thought, tell you what, he's good, but, you know, maybe he needs another six months. You know, maybe I don't know what their parameters are, but maybe, you know, he needs to do X, Y and Z and A and B. And maybe that's kind of where their thinking was. Now, I might be wrong about that because at the end of the day, you know that sometimes you put a player on because you've been forced to put a player on. That player comes on, scores a hat trick. 
and then you go, well, right, I'm going to play them in that next game. And that's probably the opportunity that they've probably missed out on. Um, quite, quite interestingly, you know, we put a, um, a little message up because like I said to you, we were at the game on, on, on Monday, which was, uh, which actually was like I said to you, it was like a nice day out. We went up with um, Joe from the Three Lions Pride and from Gay Gunas as well. So we were hanging out with him and his crew in the White Horse before the match as well. And that was quite good. It was quite relaxed because I, I mean, I was there quite early. I was there about four o'clock in the afternoon or something ridiculous like you know which was great you know met up with you puns was there you know a few other characters spanish dave obviously came down as well so we were sort of sitting down there and it was like a nice little um build up and relax going into the game as well um and like i said to you put a we, we, we put a little message up saying you know what do you think of ivan tony not playing and there were quite a few replies i mean very simple obviously a lot of beast fans like debbie you know turned around and said that she was gutted there's some kind of slightly more kind of pointed slightly more angry replies like you know like david David, David to Earth as well said that Southgate needs sacking. Um, it's interesting because there's quite a few Southgate sacking murmurs always going around after the game. I heard at Italy in Italy there was, and also after this game as well. Um, there's there's a, it's interesting. There's quite a few fans that have lost faith in Southgate. This isn't an England podcast, even though I go to a lot of England matches, and I'm not going to go into a diatribe about the good and the bad things that Southgate has done. I mean, I think he's a brilliant manager, and he's done a lot of things for England. I thought the the Euros when we lost against Italy was an interesting moment, which actually kind of made me realise a few things that you know that maybe could be better probably but I think a lot of people knew that as well but there's a lot more people who are a lot more vocal about where he is and should be um and then and then there's some people as well you know that's a load of bollocks it's a dead rubber you know he can't you know and he won't won't drop his favorites this is from Luke the Casper Bolt you know Southgate needs to go wouldn't be surprised if Ivan declared for Jamaica after that experience now I am a reggae boy saw Jamaica took a big coach with my me and my mates to Jamaica first game in the World Cup in 1998 I've flown over to see Jamaica play in the in the in the Caribbean Cup in Jamaica against Trinidad I've been you know what I'm saying I'm a proper proper reggae boy as well because I used to live in Jamaica and I'd love in principle Ivan Tony to play for Jamaica but obviously that's obviously if he didn't play for England I think it'd be great you know Jamaica would probably qualify for the next World Cup and it's going to be fantastic but I think the point is, and I think Ali Malali said it there, is like, you know, why would he, uh, why would we go to Jamaica now? Because they haven't, they haven't qualified for the World Cup next. So he's still got another two or three years to kind of work out what his moves are going to be without going into Jamaica at the moment now. And, and Jamaica, um, because USA, Canada and, um, and Mexico are not qualifying for the next World Cup because they're all hosting it. So that basically opens the ways for a load of other teams to come through and qualify for the World Cup. And I think that if Jamaica don't qualify to the next World Cup, I'll be very, very upset because honestly, the big guns are out the window. So they're there or thereabouts, I think, to do the business. Mainly, a few more replies there that you thought were interesting, innit? Yeah, um, LGBTs um, commented, um, as a Bees fan, it was frustrating. As an England fan, worrying. No backup plan for the front and this supposedly incredible man manager showing himself to be anything but. Um, as you kind of touched upon, Martin Kelly says here, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised if he switches to Jamaica. Um, he was only called up to, due to media pressure. Southgate has his favourites, sad and gutted for Ivan. Um um, you know, it's assuming he doesn't get another chance, or he doesn't get called up. You know, there's every chance of that happening. Um, uh, Colin Greenleaf said, barring injuries, Tony will not be in the England World Cup squad, which is a big shout. We'll have to see about that one. Yeah. Um, Rick Wakeman's just not happy either. So he just said, not a lot. Like you know, that's old Rick Wakeman, the uh, big Beast fan as well, and a big record producer from back in the day. But he's still a big record producer now as well. Still does shows and everything like that. If you're listening, Rick, hello to you, Rick. Yeah, he's an absolute legend, isn't he? He's a rock That's legend, right. rock, rock right. legend, That's right. um, and ex-Brentford chairman as well. Yeah. Was he? That's was right. he not in the seventies? Um, Tina T, crazy missed opportunity. Um, Tristan Pocock, no logic in calling him up. Why not try him in a meaningless game? Hopefully, Godos will get the winner against England in the World Cup. Oh, controversial. Ooh, controversial, you know? yeah. yeah. As me, um, me, me and Soups are literally be walking straight off our, our plane, <laughs> straight to the stadium. And the last sight that we want to see is Godos hitting the yeah. ball into the back of the net. We're actually flying, as we do, Laney, via Israel, as as you do, to, you know, yes. as you sort of take these strange routes to to go to strange tournaments as well. Gabriel Helder, quite, quite hardcore there. Worst thing for him was the dross out there managing to turn the deficit on its head any longer and the roll of the dice would have come up with 17 unfortunately one once the goals went in ivan's shot was lost as um, well tristan pocock here no logic in calling him up why not try him in a meaningless game 
Oh, no, we said that one already. Sorry. Yeah. Um, Miserable Git Wayne said a bloody disgrace. <laughs> uh, Mark Sudan, Brentford 1, England 0. I'd be happy with that at this farcical World Cup and Snoozegate at the Tiller still. Yeah. Mm. So, yes, it, you know, obviously, you know, it's we've got our Brentford heads on. And, why, you know, it's Brentford podcast, Brentford fanzine. You know, first and foremost, you know, we look out for our own. Um, and if you're going to get get called up and we're going to get excited you, you hope he gets minutes so yeah, it was just a little bit of an anti-climax in the end and I, I just hope that Ivan doesn't suffer from it because you know um, he's, he's kind of outspoken and he's kind of um, a bit of a hot potato on socials it's, it's probably it might be a backlash of you know you'll never play for England and all that kind of stuff that you know get does get sung you know we sing it to Madison um, you can expect it back to our players as well. And I just don't think he kind of deserves it. You know, he's, he's kind of been not used. That's, 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 that's a bit strong probably. But, you know, if he'd got minutes, he's a, he's a fully-fledged England international. At the moment, we're, we're, he's, he's, he's no further. No, he's not a lot further down the line, apart from having some nice tracksuit. That's, that's right. And uh, I mean, just, just going to talk touch on it briefly, because obviously, you know, as a Brentford fan, I'm still keeping my fingers crossed that Harry and Harry Kane, Ivan Tony does go to does, does go to Qatar. Um, we talked about it after the match again. We said, how do you think, Ivan, do you think it's all over for him? And I said, well, no, if he scores a hat-trick every game between now and, uh, and, and the break, the international break or the World Cup break, then yes, he'll go to Qatar, I'm sure. But obviously, that's a little bit of a long shot, but you just never know. So I'm almost like keeping my fingers crossed saying that, 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 that Ivan will go and I'll be able to go there as a Brentford fan to see my player play in the World Cup and I was actually at Wembley yesterday there was a meeting between uh, England fans and a load of other people who were involved in in England and also organising the World Cup we had the, the World Cup's supreme organising committee who were there who presented to us about their ideas about the World Cup which is very interesting because there's a lot of stories and rumours that have been flying around and I'm not here PRing Qatar at all it was just quite interesting they were talking about like I said to you about the alcohol situation which is not quite as uh, as the world is putting it this is 13 pound a pint in, in principle but in other places it might come down to six pound or five pound or eight pound or four pound whatever else it may be and our alcohol is actually a lot more freely available than it is actually pointed out uh, in in the media as well so you're going to have smaller bars as well as the glitzy bars as well so that's going to be sort of quite interesting um there's quite a lot of um you know, like i said to you um in the the fans and, and i knew this before that the, the biggest take-up of tickets again has been the americans the americans since south africa are on another level when it comes to to soccer to come to football. They're, they're turning up for all the tournaments in their droves. They take they both bought the most amount of tickets for the Qatar World Cup, and then the Mexicans are second, and then the English are third, which is which is interesting. Then after that, I think is uh, is Brazil. You know, um, India have actually had quite a big take up on tickets as well. Obviously, the proximity to to Qatar, but it's going to be quite it's going to be a quite an interesting. There's um. Um, World Cup. Uh, a number of things were brought up, including the human rights issues, which they dealt with uh, in a diplomatic way, should I say. So they they they, they defended um, their corner to a certain extent, and they said that things weren't quite as the figures were. Again, I'm not going into this whole issue. I'm just I'm relaying this information to you. And also, we had a gentleman from the LGBT community who also put how concerned he is with regards, you know, going out there and are they going to sort of suspend their laws to ensure that they don't get incarcerated? Long story short, they were just saying, not not be funny, but, you know, all these laws are there, but basically we just turn a blind eye to most things is what they said. Now, this is... I'm not, I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm, I'm just relaying the information about Qatar as what was told to me by the Supreme Committee when I went to the meeting the other day. So it's going to be really interesting. We'll talk about this more, no doubt, in the next few weeks in the run-up to the World Cup because uh, as the World Cup comes, there's going to be, there is going to be a bit of a buzz. A lot of people say, oh, no, we're not going to watch it, but there is going to be a bit of a buzz, um, but we will see. But anyway, just coming back to this country, coming back to league football, as we said, myself and Laney had to rack our brains to find out who we played a few weeks ago. And it was Arsenal. And they came down to New Griffin Park and they were actually quite good. And they, we didn't quite do the job of them that we did last year. But I'll tell you what you need to do. I need to go away. I need to go and get some more tea. Right? And then I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about the Arsenal. So we're back. And... Um, Actually, Bill, actually, Bill, yeah, before we move on, mate, you know, you said you met the uh, Supreme Council of the um, of the World Cup. Yeah, the, well, the Qatari World Cup uh, yeah. Supreme Council Organising Committee. Yeah, I like I like the sound of that, that Supreme Council. Can yeah. I um, can we can we call ourselves that the besotted Supreme Council? Oh, okay. Is that all right? 
Well, I mean, I've not quite thought about that, but maybe we should take it to the committee to see if they'll uh, if they can vote that through. I don't bid. think we. I don't think we need to, mate. I think <laughs> we. I think. I think the we are. If we're the Supreme Council, we have that. We have. We have that power. The ultimate say. Yeah, yeah. yes. The ultimate <laughs> say. <laughs> what, what, I mean, what vision comes to you when you when you sort of uh, when you when you sort of think about this Supreme Council? Because I mean, I, I thought about this because I'm thinking, you know, we've got the sort of FIFA committee, you know, we've got the FA Council, we've got the the EFL, you know, all this kind of thing, and then you've got the Qatar, and they've come in and they've got the Supreme Council. I mean, what what, what 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 vision comes to your mind? Firing squads. <laughs> Normally, that's yeah. the, it's like like. Power crazy, power crazed individuals. That's what that's, that's what normally happens um, with 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 names like that. Which is yeah. why I want it. Which is why I want I want to be called it too, Bill. Oh, right. we get okay. the li- get, when we get the liberal on, yeah. we, can, yeah. we can we can meet out our kind of justice. Yeah. Well, tell you what, tell me what we'll do. You know, what we'll do is, well, like I said, we may we may put it to the vote, and we may ask people exactly what they think about that. But what I'll say again, as I said to you, I met the people from the Supreme Council, and actually they were really nice. You know, they were cool, and we had a, a really good chat about chat, chat about football. Actually, to be quite honest, you had a long, long chat about football, um, and just chatting about stuff. And and the thing that I'd say is that I think with you know with with people, it's, I think it's so difficult because there's so much politics. I, I, I don't want. I, I'm keep on getting dragged into this Qatar thing, but there's so much politics around that area. And I, my 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 view is, I believe that you can certain individuals can make more change by going out and talking and making their feelings known, but in a Kofi Annan type way, than sitting at home and going, oh, "I hate all this," and then you're sitting in front of your TV and you're making no difference to it whatsoever. You know what I'm saying? If everybody boycotted the World Cup, every single team did, then that would make a big wave, but um, that's not happening. You know, so I think that there's individuals and groups can go out there, fan groups can do it, everyone like that. And actually they can just, you know, very diplomatically make their feelings known, but still do it because what happens is I said a few things to uh, Supreme Organising Committee and, and he said to me, you made some fair points there. You know, we really take this on board and I, I do understand. So he, he's not the person that can make the changes. He's there to do his thing. But all I'm trying to say to you is that, People can make changes, but you need to be in them positions to do that to make yourselves heard. But we shall come back to talking quite, about quite yeah. knowledgeable. They're quite knowledgeable about football. He was knowledgeable about is football. He? You know, there was two of them there, and he was very knowledgeable about football. Because the thing is that you know, and this is quite a funny thing. Because I was, there was one thing here, and I would just deviate. We obviously don't want to talk about Arsenal because we got so smashed <laughs> by Arsenal. Like we actually don't want to talk about it. But um, but he said to me because there was a fear that there's going to be basically because being sports charge so much money a lot of the um basically people can't afford to be in sports so they said that you're not going to be able to see the game anywhere so the only way that you can see the game is by going to the fan zones right and they said but there's only one fan zone and there's forty thousand people and i thought no i don't want to be with forty thousand people and it's gonna be a nightmare trying to watch a game I, I like to watch it in a smaller environment and he said that's not actually true because there's one fifa fan zone forty thousand people and then there's another thing he goes but then there's loads of other zones that we're putting on ourselves as the local government type people which you can go to which might be one thousand or two thousand or five hundred because we've got loads of that because but also then there's there's loads of tv places there's loads everyone's gonna be showing tv and the thing about this is like i listen i don't do like this is not my job I, I, this is not my, because but this seems that everyone seems to be able to sort of stream like you know and so this, this is what they do like everywhere people just basically got illegal streams all over the place he said it's not right but he goes this is just what happens because so tv will be absolutely everywhere because everyone's got it and everyone does it in qatar and i thought this is quite interesting because no one's no one's told you about this kind of stuff, and he's not saying I am ratifying this. He's just saying, listen, mate, you, you're going to go on a street corner in a little cafe, and they're going to have a, they're going to have a TV in there, and they're going to be streaming the match because that's just what they do, you know. Mm. And that's that's the case, and and they don't get locked down because um because they don't because they can't be running around locking down everyone because if they did, then it'll be all over. So they said, you know, for us, we want everyone to have a good time. So listen, whatever happens, kind of, I'm sure is going to happen, but this is not the government that's saying that. That's just that's the way it's going to be. So as a as a day out. Did he prefer Sinsel Bank or Oakwell? He was talking about Sinsel Bank actually, and he was seemed to be disappointed that every time that they drew him in the cup, they actually never got to play mm. at Sinsel Bank. But he did sing this song to me, which was quite interesting. <laughs> oh, excellent! All right, <laughs> that's well, right. Wish I was going now. Yeah, that's right. But anyway, listen. And again, I'm not sitting down there justifying. Or all I'm doing is I'm telling information that I am uh, that I've been privy to as being part of the meeting and, and going to the England matches. And it may be interesting to some and it may be not interesting to other people out there as well. I, I know it might be interesting to some of my American mates who are thinking of going, but a little bit scared to go. If you want to just 
direct message me and, and talk about it because I'll be able to to let you know the ins and outs because I was very scared of going to Russia. And when I went to Russia, uh, I had a brilliant time. I admit that it was 30 days, which was sanitized Russia, but that's what happened. And then the 30 days of sanitized Russia, I had a brilliant, brilliant time. So if you want to just DM us, uh, email us, whatever you need to do, if you need to, more information on this, because we are now going to, unfortunately, talk about that Arsenal match where mm. we got an absolute and total spanking, didn't we, Lanny? Yeah, do we have to? Yeah, um, yeah. Tell you what, tell you something. No, we're not enough. What we're going to do is we are going to go over to the fans and hear what they had to say. Then we're going to come back afterwards and we're going to talk about that Arsenal match. They all tried. Yeah, everyone tried hard, but they were a good team. Their movement's good. Their passing's good. A little bit of attitude that maybe they haven't had previously. Um, we were chasing shadows in the midfield first half. Vitaly was chasing his own tail. Uh, Josh was off the pace. Matty was sort of on his own mostly. And it was just one of those days where the better team won and we need to move on and make sure we win the games against teams that are uh, probably not quite as good as Arsenal. They look really good. You know, they'll be uh, pushing Manchester City for the title, no doubt. We didn't, it was flat today. I mean, there were all sorts of understandable reasons. 12 o'clock kickoff probably didn't help. You know, players looked off the pace today, looked off the form. We better move on. Bit of a bad day at the office. I think the tone was set right from the start where they had about 40 passes sprung together and they really should have gone one and up after a couple of minutes. We didn't have the intensity today. I don't think there's anything wrong with the team selection, but just couldn't get it to work. When our game plan the entire first half was playing this long ball over the top, we never play like that. You can't win a game, you don't even play your own ethos. So I think that mainly that was our problem today. But yeah, I don't know what Frank can really say to them when they come back in and they didn't really want it. They, they, none of them wanted it enough. I mean, 100% Arsenal deserve to win. You, you, you know, you, you can't argue with it. A little bit disappointed that we seem to lack the intensity um, that we normally bring, but that I don't know how much it was us lacking intensity and them just not letting us this play. They, they they knew what they were going to get and they just, they had a game plan, they matched us and they, they played us off the park. They were really very good. There's a reason they're top of the league. We're, we're all just going to have days like this. It's going to happen, but I, it doesn't, it's not, no, 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 no point in panicking yet. Um, I don't think there's any time for that. We're back top of the league, which is nice to do before international break. But I just thought we were we were good. Just don't think Brentford were quite there today. And that's what that's the difference. The difference between the two teams. But we were good, and Brentford just weren't really up for it. Not today. Yeah, I'm really happy. Uh, I thought there were a few, there were some standout performances today, like the likes of Xhaka. Uh, I thought Jesus played well, Saliba. Yeah, I thought we were playing really well and dominated the ball. Because, you know, we look at it all, we've come a long way, baby. And that's, that, that's the truth. We've always remembered that, where we've been and where we are now. So um, we're going to have some highs and lows, but we've had many more highs and lows recently. So just enjoy it while we can. Well, they couldn't get forward. Like, like that, that formation, you've, you've basically you've got, to, you've got to be able to get your fullbacks forward or else you're just pinned back with a five at the back all the time. And that's how it turned out in the end. Um, I thought there were some reasonable individual performances in there. Uh, I thought Raya did well. Uh, I thought Raya had some saves to make in that game. Um, but I thought I thought Jensen was off his game. Um, I thought Mbwemai was off his game. Um, and Arsenal were just really good. At the end of the day, it was the complete opposite to the game last season when, you know, we all know what happened there. Smashing. First game of the season, yeah, the smashing. Smashing where we got absolutely into them. Um, didn't let them, you know, play. This time, the opposite. We did let them play. We let them play around us. We let them take their shots from distance. You know, it was just a little bit too easy today. So I'm disappointed, but I will very easily forget about this one now. So Laney, Arsenal game. So let's just let's just get this straight. Okay, Arsenal, they were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from long shots. They were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from the flanks. And they were strong at finishing. Okay? They had no significant weaknesses. Brentford, we stole the ball from them often, but we were poor at finishing. We lost possession often and we were caught offside often. They had a large quantity of possession in their in our half. They attacked through the middle. They dominated possession and they favoured short passing. We attacked down the right, favoured crossing the ball, long balls and through balls. Um, you know, they had more attempts than us. You know, they had more... Open, open, open play attempts than us you know we actually had more set pieces than them you know they took the top players the five six top players according to who scored in the game was Saliba Saka Vieira Jesus and Xhaka you know what I'm saying basically you know 
they just dominated everything in that game and we weren't I hate to say use the word not at the races but it just seemed to almost look like we kind of came out the traps and we just actually we weren't at the races were we <laughs> no we weren't no. it was it was a you know it was a typical uh sunday morning kickoff flat atmosphere because of you know the the, the morning of, and the minute silence for the queen and um we weren't singing our songs um we were you know half asleep not been in the pub well we had been in the pub but most people hadn't been in the pub um and Arsenal were up for getting revenge after us humiliating them last year and it it it, it went to completely and utterly to their scripts, you know. They they scored their goals, um, they celebrated like they'd beaten Tottenham in the corner. Um uh, and they wasted time from going one nil up. Um and they brought their thirteen year old kid on at the end just so they could say that they, they beat us with their youth team. Um Arteta was petty, I thought. Um it kicked off a little bit on, on our WhatsApp group. Some people didn't think it was a big deal that he, he brought a fifteen year old on. Um thus they thought that they they you know it was it was good for the good for the kid. We'll see if he plays again this weekend or next weekend. If he becomes a regular starter or a regular sub, then I guess you know that 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 was a, a useful exercise for him. Um, I I just don't think you know he's he's a fifteen year old prepared for that kind of football. Uh, but yeah, it was a game we just we just move on from. You know that they're the kind of games we know. We you know it's it's not, it's it's rare that we'll get a point and or three points out of the games against the top four. Um, and more often than not, we'll we'll you know we'll 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 struggle because the quality does show. Um, but we need everything to go our way. We need to take our chances. We didn't do that. Uh, and yeah, so it was. A, I was quite happy to go back to the pub and instantly uh, erase that from my memory, which is why we struggled to even remember uh, the match at all um, <laughs> before we started. You know, um, listening to the fans back in the pub. Yeah, mo most people were of a, a similar kind of mindset, weren't they? It was just kind of like mm, disappointing. Didn't do ourselves justice. Arsenal really wanted to get revenge, and that's that was the narrative. And they were quite good as well. As what they yeah, said. they were good. They were good. Yeah, they were. Yeah. But they are good. You know, yeah. they are. They're a good yeah. team. I'm just wondering. Do you think Arteta did a Southgate reverse? So, so oh, you know, right. yeah, yeah. So you've got Southgate. He's like, ah, no, I'm not going to put him on. And, and Arteta's going, oh, well, let's let's just shove this player on that everyone's kind of been talking. There's a big talking point, and let's just shove him on. So he's like, he kind of anti Southgateed himself right up. Do you think so? Yeah, well, they they had re they really did they did m manipulate some sort of beef with Ivan Tony. You know, his tweet about you know nice kick around with the lads or whatever, and and it, it was taken. It was really warped out of all out of all kind of you know reality. That's not what he meant when he tweeted it. He wasn't taking the piss out of Arsenal. He was just kind of like having a you know a, like a a childish kind of reference to what was a, a magnificent win. Um, you know, and he did the same when we played Man City as well when we lost. You know, it was just kind of like um, him messing around really. And then you know it was taken out of context and used in that Arsenal documentary as a, a as a sign to you know go out there and row our noses in it because um, Ivan Tony was taking the piss and he, he, he actually wasn't. And I thought, I just found that just a little bit embarrassing and a little bit kind of like classless, to be honest. But there you go, you know, it's, it's no big deal. It's only, a, it's only a bit of a social media spat, isn't it? It was nothing malicious. It was just kind of like, I think they just made, made too much of something that was no big deal, really. Yeah, and they made too much of something that's not a big deal. I mean, just looking, um, we don't often... Like I said to you, at this early on, have a look at the uh, the league tables and the Justice League table as well. That's just to see where they're at. I mean, Arsenal, obviously, top of the league. Um, number two in the Justice League behind Man City. So, you know, there's no surprise they did exactly what they did. I mean, they're expecting them to drop off quite a bit. They're expecting them to sort of finish around sixth place, which is interesting. I'm not quite sure why that is. You know, with play teams like Chelsea, who are massively overperforming at the moment now. Um, so Chelsea overperforming. Actually, they they expect to finish higher than Arsenal, but that again, that's not that's not within our remit. Uh, the, the slightly more interesting thing is uh, where where Brentford are because one, two, three, four, five, six. We're sixth in the Justice League. Again, if you don't know what the Justice League, it's the uh, you know never goes oh, but you don't score the goal, so you shouldn't really be there. It's not about that. It's the fact that we're actually creating good opportunities, good high quality opportunities, but obviously we're not putting the ball in the back of the net. So if we did put them in the back of the net. 
um, like like the teams like Arsenal do, and the teams like Man City do when they create these chances. We sh- we would technically be one, two, three, four, five, sixth in the league behind Tottenham and Liverpool, Brighton, Arsenal, and Man City, just above Newcastle and West Ham. But because we're uh, massively under, well, not massively underperforming, we're only sort of kind of two points, two three places above where we are in the Justice League. So it kind of shows you where we are. So you know, our players pick up a little bit and start put, you know, and start delivering. Um, even more than they, than they can do. I mean, you can probably look back at three or four of our matches and look at sort of chances that we should have scored, which we didn't, and probably take us back into us ending up losing like Fulham or, 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 or drawing when we could have won. You know what I'm saying? So that's the scenario. So um, that was a shows the golfing quality in that game with Arsenal, but also on the other side, it shows that we're actually not in a bad place, isn't it, Laney? Yeah, this this Justice League that you talk of, Bill, yeah. is is that if we are the Supreme Council, do we yeah. have do we have jurisdiction over the Justice League? Is that so we can that move we'll... things around mm. a bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah. we could. I mean, what we could do, we could put ourselves maybe up into sort of we can move right and Brighton down because you know Brighton <laughs> just you know we, we've got beef with Brighton anyway, so we can move them about ten places, so that will move us up, up to fifth immediately. And then, and then Tottenham, um, I think they cheated when they came down to, 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 to our ground last year. So we, we move them out a bit. So we could actually move up a couple of places, probably get to fourth place or something like that, which would be, be quite about, good, wouldn't it? About Leeds, what do we do with them? Oh, Leeds, well, they're the champions of Europe. So they'll go into a completely different competition altogether because we know they oh, are okay. the champions of Europe. And uh, if anyone doubts that, I would, I would, well, I'd talk to anybody from Leeds because they'll, they'll, mm. they'll set you straight, especially that guy that came down the pub a couple of weeks ago and he was on our podcast. So, uh, but anyway, that's all sorted. So uh, we're, uh, we're fourth. And uh, you know, the, you know, the 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 Supreme Committee with the with the forecast of, of first, you know, so we're going to be playing <laughs> Champions League football <laughs> next season. This is brilliant, isn't it? Yeah, oh, this, this Premier I'm League, man. This. this is so quite easy. This, yeah. Really, it's really great. You know what I'm saying. And so the Qataris have they've taught us a lot. They have. I mean, they've come over. They've taken over our country. You know, know what they've done. You know, all these people, and they've just done they've done the football, and all of a sudden they've taken over the football, and it's all different. But anyway, coming back to the Arsenal game, coming back um, to the real world. He's coming back to the real world Arsenal is parked and uh we, we, we're looking forward to the weekend to Bournemouth but before we do that um we got JB JB's been on a bit of an international break as well but he is going to give us a little bit of facts and a little bit of funk here we go JB Jonathan Birchall here again. Looking back to our last Premier League game, Arsenal were due a win at our ground on their seventh ever league visit. With five previous B's wins, they took all the points for the first time since May 1947. It was only the fifth time that David Ray had conceded three goals in his 119 league games with us. It's also the first time this season that we failed to score. Scoring in the first six games of the season hadn't happened since Leroy Rossini's side went one better and scored in their first seven in 2006. Arsenal was our seventh league match of the season, and coincidentally it was a seventh league match eight years ago where we last had a 3-0 home defeat. Then it was against Norwich in our first championship season. Our trip to Bournemouth will be Thomas Frank's 200th game in charge, including that unplayed win at Bolton in 2019. 93 wins, 42 draws and 64 defeats in the 199. A win percentage of just under 47% is the best in the club's history of the 21 who've been in charge for over 100 games. He's even won six more games than Harry Curtis achieved in his first 200. The recent international saw Aaron Hickey become our fifth player to play for Scotland during their time with us. That brought Scotland level with our five previous Welsh internationals. But Mikkel Damsgaard's appearance for Denmark takes them to the top of our internationals list as they have now capped seven of our players. So there you go, JB, with a bit of facts and a bit of funk as we go into the, the Muff weekend and international weekend. You notice he didn't really talk too much about Ivan Tony there because I think mm. JB, JB knew, JB knew, didn't he? He knows, yeah, he knows a lot, doesn't he? He's very, he very wise, very wise man. Um, but yeah, as always, great, great, Great muff facts there, and um, and I, yeah, I, they're they're a team that we we're familiar with, aren't we? You know, so yeah, looking forward to going down to the south coast if we can find a pub that allows football fans in, of course. That's right, and that's a different story altogether. Listen, we're going to go away. We're going to come back. Um, more tea? Should we have tea for two, Lane? Should we have tea for two? 
Um, yes, why not? A pot. That's right. Okay, we're going to go away, have tea for two. We're going to come back and we're going to talk about Born Muff. Saturday, we're back. We're going south coast. It's going to be a bit of a pain because uh, there's a, a train strike, but these things happen and we just have to negotiate around it. Okay, um, you know, again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to even go into this situation, but you know, these things happened and whether or not you believe that they should or they shouldn't, it has happened. So we have to deal with it. So there is a train strike. Bees fans will be going down by, well, I'm going to say rail and boat and car. Be in the rail part of it, but they'll be going by boat and car and by plane or whatever like that down to Bournemouth to see the V's uh, after a couple of weeks' break. Now, Bournemouth, they bring back some quite fond memories for Brentford fans. I think probably one of the fondest memories is a game that I didn't even go to. Um, actually, no, actually, I had a really fond memory when we played them in the Cup. And I know Kay Wiz listens to this podcast every week from Nashville in Tennessee. He came down with us there and we were in that pub because we couldn't find a pub to drink in because you can never find a pub to drink in Bournemouth. And we ended up um, when the woman came out with the cheese. You remember? It was the, the FA Cup game. Yeah, and she came out right. in, the, in the FA Cup run when we ended up playing Norwich. And uh, we had the cheese hats at Norwich. But this is when it all started, when she came out and we wanted something to eat. And they had nothing in this pub. And then she came out with just a load of cheese. And she just went, here you go, boys, here's some cheese. And all of a sudden it was like cheese. And before you know it, sort of two, three games later, we were turning up at games with cheese and there was cheese hats. And then we did a cheese boat down the Thames for the FA Cup game to Charlton. Cheese completely and utterly took over. But a lot of people don't know this actually started in Bournemouth in this pub where this mad landlady just turned up and just gave us a load of cheese. And everyone went, cheese, cheese, cheese. Um, <laughs> but that's that's one of my sort of fonder memories of, of Muff, as we call it, born Muff. Um, and um, and th- have you had any any, any, any fond memories of, of, of Muff? Yeah, there, there was there, obviously there was that one. Um, first, the first, the memorable memorable ones. The first game I ever went to Dean Court was uh, it, it was 1985 when um, in the Freight Rover Cup run. Um, oh, I think we, pl- we played them. Oh, we we won through to uh, that was the area semi, I believe. I think then we that, That's that, right. that that got us through to the game against Newport. Then we beat Newport. Then we got to Wembley and lost um but it was a bit moody that night Brentford won um and there was like there was characters lurking around in the park outside running around with lumps of wood I remember and I was only I was only a, you know I was only like I say kid I was, I was just passed my driving test I think uh, I wasn't wasn't prepared for that I made it back to the Beatle made it back to London in in one piece oh. um and then I do remember oh, oh just want to say to you as well mm-hmm. just before you move on from there Laney because uh, we were like again we like we like two peas in a pod you know like it's tea for two peas in a pod it's funny because I actually went down to the, that game in my Beatle as well. And I was living in Brighton at the time because, uh, like I said to you, I was a Brighton boy at the time. And I remember going down Paul Cassell, who's my mate Paul, who still stands with us now in the, in the West End. And he came down to Brighton to meet me. Then I drove across from Brighton on the time when they didn't even have the, the, the new Ace 27. It's like a right old dodgy road they had at the time going along the coast to drive along to go to that match. And I remember parking in the back streets and uh, then going to the game. And I think we were 2-0 up. And then they came back to two all. And then Robbie Cook, if I remember rightly, scored the third goal. And then he came and did a knee slide all over the Bees fans. And it just was brilliant. And it was just one of my favourite games ever. It was, was, oh, it was just unbelievable because at that time we'd done nothing. And all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, we're so close to going to Wembley. And we weren't quite at Wembley, but we were so close to getting to Wembley. And I remember that. And I remember after the game as well, making my way back to my Beatle. And it was properly dodgy. There was all sorts of characters there. uh, What, what What colour was the Beatle? I had a red beetle, obviously. Mine was I, red. Oh, no way. You go. You've got my car. Mate, uh, when, when, they, when we get the ratification of the Supreme Council, then we ought to get two beetles. That's right, actually. Yeah, we will do. Just, just them. We should drive them down to the ground. They've got to be old as well. Got sort of old, yeah, 1971 old... it was. Flat That's screen. right. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember what mine was. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so that was all good. It might last to me very well. So like you know, so the Beatles. I mean, these Americans are going. What's this Beatles? You know, you've got these newfangled Beatles, which just don't break down or anything like that. But the old ones are the best, aren't they? They're the old ones yeah. are that funny little one. You press that the hood. You press the yeah. hood on the front, and it came up, and there's all sorts of stuff going on in it. Is uh, so, was... so yeah. So that was that was that was eighty five, which was a, a cracking one. I do remember the um, Andy Scott uh, promotion season when we it was bank holiday towards the end, roasting hot day down mm. in Bournemouth um we we won one nil I 
think oh, was it was the game that Darren Powell got sent off fighting was, Carly Osborne. Yeah, so that was that was a, another memorable one. There was and, and I was gutted and, and I was no, I was gutted about that one because I'd gone away with the family for the weekend and mm. we'd gone down to uh, to, to, to Liberal Nickland. Actually, we we were in Liberal Nickland before Liberal Nick actually lived down there. And I think that we put a flag in the sound saying Liberal Nick will be here soon, um, but it took him about another. For what, 10 years to, to turn up and uh and then but i bought a ticket for that game because you had to buy them in advance i bought one for the whole family and then we uh we went up to glastonbury as you do afterwards and went up glastonbury tour and i thought if i get them to glastonbury i could kind of make a detour down to to, to muff and i got them up glastonbury tour and then uh, when i got up there i said to the missus i said oh, you know, do you fancy getting to bournemouth <laughs> And it went down like a lead balloon. So I didn't no quite interest. get from Glastonbury to Bournemouth. So uh, I had to sort of listen to it on. I don't even know what to listen to. I didn't even listen to it, actually, because you couldn't do that in them days. So uh, I, but I heard that the celebrations yeah. were large. Uh, I heard there was a lot of singing underneath um, underneath the stands. And it was, uh, who was it, the striker as well? Because he got injured. Um, and then you were singing about him as well. Big Elder, uh, Nathan Elder. Nathan, Nathan Elder. There was a lot of Nathan Elder songs. Nathan Elder, Brentford's number nine. And he was very happy with that as well yeah. but yeah yeah that was, that was and, a big day a big day and obviously probably the the biggest games we've played in recent part of the recent past is you know i remember beat we beat them at our place in the season we um we first came up um into the championship and then we played them in this is the first away game um in the championship we played really really well uh and we we, we didn't get justice that day i didn't think but i think that was i was an indicator that we weren't going to come up to the to, to the championship and um and play anything other than our football and the last two games we played were the the playoff um uh, playoff semis um home and away down at dean court um, we lost that game and then they came back to uh new griffin park dan juma scored again to put them two nil up um on aggregate and then we obviously had that incredible uh, comeback. Um, and, you know, we had Begovic chasing Tony around the pitch. We had uh, Mepham, Agent Mepham, doing rugby tackles, um, getting sent off. And, yeah, it was a, a proper eventful ding-dong where we got through to Wembley. We got through um, to Wembley. And the score, and just to remind people who, who well, may not have ever been there, because, like I said, we got a lot of new listeners as well um, who are just sort of picking up on the bees, especially in the Premier League. You have to understand... Again, we had lost eight, I believe it's right, playoff finals. We had, we, we had been in eight playoff finals and lost them all. And we didn't want to be in another playoff final again. We wanted to go through automatically. And we got Bournemouth. We played them in the first game. They went 1-0 up. Everyone was talking about Bournemouth because they had loads and loads and loads of money because they'd just come down from the Premier League and they had these really expensive players and they expected to go straight back up. But they ended up in the playoffs against us. But 1-0 up and they thought, right, we're having it. OK, second game. They went 2-0 up on aggregate within, what, six minutes or something like that. And we were feeling down the dumps. But then, because it was the first game back at New Griffin Park, there was only four and a half fans allowed in because of COVID. We went in and we created the noise of like 50,000. And the atmosphere in that stadium was on our next level. I mean, it made the Arsenal game, which was great. But the Arsenal game, was, the 57th was great with 17,000, but with 4,500, it was just brilliant. Everyone was in it and together. And as soon as we went behind, we picked it up. We scored the goal. We had um, we, we had Yanel, who scored an un- incredible goal. I think it was to put to us two, was it two, two, you know, the that second goal. Two, two. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's to- right. Tony penalty, then Yanel, then That's right. Then but then Force scored a goal, which was, you've got to watch it if you haven't seen it. Again, just go back and watch that game. And those goals, the Force goal was on the next level, and we were just on cloud nine in that game. And after that, Wembley was actually a an anticlimax for me because Wembley was all right, but it was like going through the motions. This was the game. That was the game of the season. That was the game of quite a few years for us because just just to put that skeleton of the playoffs to bed and to beat them and to come from behind to beat them and the, and and just you could just feel that the, the whole club was just willing those goals into the back of the net and it was a brilliant brilliant feeling and they. Well, obviously they didn't go up because they, they because we knocked them out. You know what I'm saying? And so they had to wait another season to actually do the business. And they're now going to play us now. And and there's a and it's almost like it's really weird because the tables are turned. Because when we played Bournemouth um, a couple of years ago in the Championship, there was a kind of like, oh wow, it's this Bournemouth we're playing, and oh they've got all these really expensive players, and they're the big team, and they're the Premier League team. And you, there's a sort of a, a feeling of awe 
when we played them. I remember at the time. And uh, I remember when we got that result against them around about Christmas time, which, you know, there's an argument to say that, you know, we, we got a result when maybe it should have been a draw or maybe, you know, it, things kind of went our way on that day. You know, the, the, the follow-up game, I think we deserved. I think we, we beat them in the follow-up as well, and I think we deserved that one. But there was that feeling, like, oh, we, we beat Bournemouth. And it was, a, it was quite a big thing because they came with so much money and they were expected just to steamroller our, our division. And they didn't do it. Um, but it's really weird because now as time's gone on and we've come in, the tables have turned because there's not that feeling. There's a feeling of Brentford who are sort of slightly established in the Premier League and Bournemouth who are kind of like sort of finding their feet a little bit, haven't spent that much money as they were supposed to because obviously they overspent back in the day. I mean, they won't tell you that. They, they will say to us, oh, we haven't spent much money now, but it's like, but you did spend loads of money before and it obviously hasn't worked. So that's probably why you're not spending so much money now. And we're kind of going in there slightly, probably elevated to them. Does that make sense, Lainey? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah. You know, it's just this thing that things have progressed a little bit. And uh, but I mean, you know, to give Bournemouth credit, they, they had they had a, you know, a decent amount of time um, uh, in, in, the, in the Prem before they got relegated in the end. Um, and they have bounced back. So, you know, uh, it's 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 been a you know, a roller coaster ride, but they they, they play good football. They, they kind of do it. They've done it um, without kind of uh, sort of parking the bus and, 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 and being really negative. They, 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 they came up and they were, you know, they were they were a really exciting team. And we all kind of in, enjoyed their their sort of uh, their journey as well. Um, so, yeah, now it's now it's our turn um, and they're, they're, they're all right. You know, I know they've got an absolute mullering at Anfield. They lost 9-0. Apart from that, it's been, you know, they won as many games as us. So it's 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 not it's not catastrophe um and they, they've had they've had some decent draws recently um and a couple of good wins as well so you know it's it's going to be a, a close game and um you know it's 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 one i look forward to again i think it's you know as i just said two attack-minded teams that will be going toe-to-toe and it's, it should be a really exciting contest okay so listen i mean we, we've talked about bournemouth quite a lot here but let's go to bournemouth and let's go to kurt from cherry's red army podcast and youtube channel he's going to talk to us about everything he knows about Bournemouth. Hi, I'm Kirk Tovey from Cherries Red Army, the AFC Bournemouth fan channel on YouTube. In the main, we talk all things Cherries from match previews, match reactions, breaking news, transfer talk, match day vlogs, and we have some variety in stat videos as well. Supporting the Cherries is always a bit of a roller coaster ride, and that's been no different in the last few years. Last season, the board brought in Scott Parker with the remit to get us back to the Premier League. He did that, however, it wasn't completely plain sailing. At the start, unbeaten 15, fans were very happy because Scott Parker wasn't for every Bournemouth fan, but then we hit that spell that the Cherries normally hit during Christmas and January and performances were tough to watch. We weren't scoring goals against teams we should have scored against. We weren't breaking down teams like Peterborough and Hull and we were dropping points and there were nerves going around Dean Court. But you've got to give credit where credit is due and Scott Parker did get the job done. We put away Blackburn, we did Forest at home 1-0 and then we saw the season out with a 1-0 win against Millwall. And then it would be interesting to see how the club focus on this new Premier League era. They were clear in their indication that money was not going to be thrown on players like in previous times in the Premier League and that infrastructure was going to be the main priority. In that COVID pandemic relegation season that we had back in 2020, we were trying to build a new training ground. That stopped and the club have said that that's going to be built and that is our future and that's important to Bournemouth fans. But for Scott Parker this season, in pre-season, not being Bournemouth through and through, and maybe his focus was never to spend 10, 15 years at the club. He wanted to see the club spend money on players, and that wasn't really happening. We bought in a a few free transfers to start with in Ryan Fredericks and Joe Rothwell. Look, they're good players. They've got good talents. Rothwell has the talent to do it in the Premier League. Fredericks has played in the Premier League. Both have an injury record to be concerned with. And funnily enough, we haven't seen a lot of them because they've been injured since they signed for the Cherries. We did sign a couple of players, though, in Marcos Sanessi from Feyenoord, a defender that's spoken highly of in the Dutch league. Didn't quite hit the ground running at the moment, but he's shown better potential recently at Newcastle. And Marcus Tavernier. Now, this guy is a talent. 
Not got the numbers at the moment in assists and goals, but he runs, he's an engine, he's, he's got great feet and technically a very, very good player. And for £10 million on a good long-term deal, this is a player for the future for Bournemouth and, and the fans are really taken to this one. But apart from that, that was it. Before even the season started, Scott Parker was showing his frustration in pre-season friendly post-match interview saying we're not quite equipped we need more players you know this squad was built to get out of the championship not to play in the Premier League and that wasn't sitting well with Bournemouth fans you're going to struggle as a manager at Bournemouth if you're if you're telling the fan base that these players aren't good enough remember we we spent five years in the Premier League under Eddie Howe a guy that took League One players through the ranks to become solid Premier League players for five years so we're never going to hear it well when a manager like Scott Parker's saying that these players aren't good enough however we did get that opening day win against Aston Villa that was great a 2-0 win Kiefer Moore he kicked off where he left off in last season and he got a a second goal for us and that was a 2-0 win that was a, a great start for us because the fixture list was not really that kind we would then hit Man City away and we got beat comfortably there then Liverpool at Anfield would be the next fixture 9-0 is never a result that's to be proud of it shouldn't happen it does happen Bournemouth fans know that there's a team down the road from us that have had it happen to them a few times in Southampton we don't want to be in their club we are now unfortunately but that was not a great day out and when Scott Parker came out in that post-match interview And said what he said, his days were numbered. They lasted about two more days because the club asked him to leave. And we were then in search of a new manager. And you can't do what Scott Parker did. It was completely unacceptable. He threw threw the players under the bus and took no blame himself and kept going on about these players not being good enough and that we needed to buy new players. But that was it for Scott Parker. And that was even with an Arsenal loss as well in there, actually, with a, with a 3-0 loss. That was tough to watch. So three big losses for us against three really good teams. So it's not that we didn't expect to lose these games. It was more in the manner that we lost them and, and the manner of the manager's performance post-match, pre-match. And his lack of positivity and lack of confidence in the squad. The club were not going to make a a quick decision in in bringing in a new manager, so they tasked Gary O'Neill, who was a coach under Jonathan Woodgate, come from Liverpool under Jurgen Klopp in the academy, and he was tasked with lifting the squad for a game against Wolves in midweek with Tommy Elphick, club legend, and Sean Cooper, who's worked with the academy, ex-Bournemouth player, and we got a really solid point against Wolves. Nil-nil, Lloyd Kelly clearance off the line, but we were a lot better positive. The players looked like the shackles were off, and... We were competitive. That's all Bournemouth fans ever wanted this season was to be competitive. We don't expect to win lots of matches, but we want to compete. We then went to Forest and this was going to be a crunch game. These are games that you look at where you need to win if you're going to stay up and finish 17th because that's very much Bournemouth same. And we were 2-0 down at half time. I lost my signal, actually. I wasn't at the game, unfortunately, but I lost my signal at 2-0. I thought, oh, here we go again. But credit to the lads. What a comeback. Gary O'Neill made a formation and a tactical change and we showed character. Got one, got another one and we went for the winner and 3-2 win at the City Ground against a club, Nottingham Forest, who have spent buckets of money, done completely the opposite to us and trying to bed in 22 players and we took advantage of that and it was a great comeback and built more confidence. We then went to Newcastle and we got a solid draw there as well, 1-1, took the lead, could have had all three points. A VAR penalty decision enabled Newcastle to get back in the game. And look, after seven games, 12th in the league, eight points on the board, we are very much happy with that. Going into a period now in October where there's lots of winnable, winnable games, where we can play the likes of Leicester, we've got the Southampton lot coming to town and we're in a good place. The aim, as I said, is to finish 17th and I don't expect the club to make 
a manager announcement anytime soon. We're, we're in the mix of a new takeover of the club as well, which we're, we're feeling positive about. Maxim Demin, the current owner, has done great things for this club, taking us to heights that we never expected. But pockets maybe just not deep enough to take us on to the next stage and he, he's already pocketed he's already at a pocket of 150 million quid and and we and it looks like bill foley from america a consortium las vegas uh, are going to spend 150 million to take this club on and and hopefully to take us on to bigger heights where we can complete the training ground maybe a stadium expansion new players We'll see. Coming this Saturday, though, is a game against Brentford, a team that we had a few good matches against in the Championship. They won that playoff two legs overall, didn't they, in that first Championship season? And look, credit to them. They're a very good side. They've got great players and they they stayed up last season in the Premier League. And I, I worried from this season, the second year syndrome, it's not always the case, but you have to put it there. You have to put it on the table. And Brentford have... Hit the ground running again. They've had some big wins against Manchester United, although last time out they lost to Arsenal. So there's goals there, but maybe they can see goals as well. And at home, I feel comfortable. I feel there's always a chance for the Cherries at home. We are strong at home. And we're going to need to try and get something from this game. I'm going to go for a Bournemouth 2, Brentford 1. It's not going to be easy. We need to make sure we stop the likes of Ivan Tony, and we don't let them dominate the midfield but I'm looking forward to playing Bournemouth Brentford again it's a great fixture it's the first time we'll meet in the Premier League and let's have a good game and let's hope the Cherries can get three points so there you go Kirk from Cherries Red Army just quickly uh, Bournemouth good at creating chances for individual skill coming back from losing positions and protecting the lead that's where they're good and they're, they're bad fouling in dangerous areas aerial duels which is good for us keeping possession of the ball very weak defending set pieces very weak and defending it can attack down the wings which uh, could um, go into our favour so there's some positive things there for the bees, but they need to do what we need to do and stop letting in goals is what we need to do so Laney I'm feeling quite positive coming into this game. So I'm going to ask you, first of all, to give me a score prediction. Uh, I think there's goals here both for both teams. I think I am going to go for 2-2 two, two draw. OK, so there's goals, is there goals in the first half, goals in the second half. What about goals at half-time? Mm, probably not, no. Okay, okay, probably no goals at half-time. So I'm going to go for a 2-1 win to the mighty, mighty bees so uh, anyway listen it's been great having a catch up we talked about all sorts of stuff Ivan Tony and we talked about Qatar we talked a lot about tea we talked about the cost of living crisis as well we talked about being cold uh, we talked about the Arsenal game but oh, not 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 too much to be quite honest with you and like I said looking forward to the Bournemouth game um, oh, I'm going to be in full grassroots mode actually I've got two matches on Saturday with my Barnet Panthers team so I'm not going to be on the South Coast but I know Laney you'll be there and you're very much looking forward to it aren't you Yes, uh, me and the Supreme Council um, subcommittee will be driving down to Bournemouth yeah, okay. Well, listen, have yourself a great time. You'll be doing the post-match podcast, so check that out straight after the game with the lady man in the house. And like I said to you, we'll catch you next week because we're going to Newcastle and uh, we're going to have the Newcastle fans in the house. We love Newcastle. It's right good laugh. We're going to be up there for the full weekend, a full... So we might even do a full... Maybe actually, we might go to the pub next week and do a podcast down the pub just to celebrate the fact that we're going up to Newcastle. I know that you missed that. I'm, I'm in Poland, Bill, so you have to do it without me. I'm going to do it in the pub without Laney. I'll just pretend that Laney's there. I'll have a cardboard figure, actually, and say this is the second member of the Supreme Committee tea in the pub with me drinking tea as it goes like you know what I'm saying so, <laughs> all right but, we'll enjoy that yeah so listen looking forward to but anyway listen have a great time to be safe travel up to, to to the muff and have yourself a good time fingers crossed we'll get the three points back like I said to you don't forget to subscribe to us don't forget besotted.com forward slash global don't forget to write all sorts of like lots of lovely things on YouTube and I took iTunes and oh, no, 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 all these things that you buy do. Us a beer. you can buy us a beer besotted.com forward slash beer but as we say to you have a great weekend. I'm just come out and say, we're going to play them. As we say, bees. come on, you bees. South Coast will beat the strike. It doesn't really matter. We'll get there. You bees. Goodbye, Supreme Leader Grant. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.